1: Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornchain. I'm the senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship, Fountain Valley Church, right here in Colorado Springs. I'm thrilled that you're tuning in again today. We are continuing in our study of the 10 biblical warnings you need to stop ignoring. And so, to help me with this vital discussion, one that is very convicting, and we'd expect no less when we're going into God's holy word, Dr. Steve Ford is here in the studio with me. Dr. Ford, always good to have you, my friend.
0: Thank you, John. As so we head into this, this next section, Avoid Sexual Temptation. Uh, we've got a lot to, to say today. We had a great discussion before the show, and I think that our, our listeners are really going to be blessed by the things that we're speaking about today.
1: That's right. So we kicked off last week with the number one, not that it was the most important one. Right. Uh, usually you kind of start with number 10, maybe work your way up. But we just started <laughs> right. with number one here, Never Be Lazy. And we were talking about how that impacts every sphere of our life, that we are to be working for the Lord. And that means that however we serve, even our employer, how we work and labor, is a testimony in action. Uh, The the integrity that we work through and by, the character we display, that uh, are we – easily susceptible to the temptation of compromise and blurring the lines and not being truthful. These sort of things will compromise our testimony right. ultimately. So we have to be individuals of great integrity in every sphere that we're laboring in to the glory of God. So we're not lazy in our work life, we're not lazy in our relationships, and we're certainly not lazy in presenting the gospel message and living faithfully Amen. unto the Lord. So we spent an entire broadcast on just that one point of of a warning we need to stop ignoring. So today, as we pick up number two, this one's a big one, Dr. Mm Ford. You just mentioned avoiding sexual temptation. We, as we were discussing before the program, know that this is going to take some time. We're going to probably have to dedicate a number of shows to this at a future date. I think as we're going through this series right now, we just need to be mindful of this, that we entertain sexual temptation far often than we realize. We are giving into that temptation by the programming we watch on television. And I know today it seems like Dr. Ford, we have more of this content hitting us on all fronts than perhaps ever before. I'm not saying that anything new under the sun. We dare not say that. Ecclesiastes already told us that's not true, but it can feel that way. Because at any moment, I can pick up my phone, access any type of streaming content service. I know my children could. And we know what the damage that that is doing, that the enemy is very intentional of saturating the airways, whether that be via televised programming, YouTube, any type of streaming service, even audio via the radio, whatever the means is, he is relentless. In in desensitizing us to sexual activity to where we just somehow dumbed it down. Well, that's not as sexual as this content, so that's now okay. Right, right, right and that's a victory for Satan.
0: That is, boy, yeah. It can you can get easily desensitized? That's for sure. I mean, Carla and I will start watching a series, and it's it's sort of become comical. It's almost predictable by episode three. You <laughs> know, mm-hmm. we're going to find something that's going to be some type of sexually explicit uh, sexual compromise, and we're going to be out. That's right but it 's almost by episode three, no matter what the series is, all of a sudden, for some reason, uh, whoever is producing it feels compelled to put that in there some non biblical sexual expression
1: that 's right and, and we know that we 've come a long way over the last fifty years in in not only this produced programming that 's now distributed via television that 's only one means, and we seem it, it cert- certainly seems like and I wish I had some numbers in front of me to verify this, but if you turn on programming through Amazon or Hulu or Netflix, or whatever it might be, their checks and balances seem to be far less than you'd even get through broadcast television, for example. And that True. has come so far. So I know that we don't want to spend the whole program just talking about how far we've come in right. desensitizing the culture. But as a result, we have to see that by way of video games and, and music and other forms of entertainment... Our children have become very desensitized to this, and and I know it's affecting men and women alike. So when we talk about avoiding sexual temptation, this is not just a male problem. That's right. Uh, We have this illusion. It is a lie that has been perpetuated that somehow sexual fulfillment comes by way of multiple partners and various positions and all sorts of things that this is somehow going to appease the appetite that that you're longing to fulfill. And all we know is that the truth still remains the truth, that this uh, drives people into a pit of sorrows, grief, despair, and shame. And once there, the climb out of such a pit seems so far removed. that It's like the further you go down into a cave and, and the light just gets... Dimmer and dimmer. That's how it can feel. And to pull somebody out of that miry clay, out of that, that deep crevasse where it just feels like they are so far removed from God, that is ultimately Satan's objective here is to get us so far removed we feel like we're just shame covered and guilt laden we'll never even go into a church never even pick up a Bible again that's exactly where Satan wants us to be
0: yeah I'm so glad you mentioned that because you can see how people get to the point where they would just feel so much shame I'm too far gone there's nothing you know there's nothing that can be done for me there's nothing the Lord can do for me so you don't want to take this before the Lord not realizing or not even you know admitting to yourself that all your sins have already been covered through the blood of Jesus Christ and there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and all you need to do is repent and your fellowship with the Lord will be restored and you'll be strengthened and encouraged to repent, take a new direction
1: and a new life. That's right. That's why I love the story that's given. And it's not a story. It's an actual account. It's been challenged, of course, in the various texts some say, well, it's not in the original text and I would challenge that greatly. but John chapter seven, all the yeah, way to John that. chapter eight about the woman who's caught in the act of adultery. and of course, both parties should have been there at this presentation before the Lord as she's thrown before the Lord as such and and he begins to write in the sand and, and just the the heart of our Lord that someone caught in this act of adultery, there is a reset button in Jesus Christ. And, and that was the beautiful display of his love and mercy, the the same message that is given through and through, go and sin no more. In Jesus Christ, we have this freedom, This the shackles of the sin and death that can come pulling off of us, and, and it's a heavy yoke that he tears from us in the this renewal that Jesus Christ and he alone can give. And so we know that the lies of the enemy can be very heavy upon our shoulders, and then we Believe those lies, and we never then find the hope that, that is right there. And that hope is instantaneous in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, it doesn't mean that all consequences of sin and past choices go away, but the hope in Jesus Christ to bring new life. Like a, like a piece of granite that's broken into a new life of, uh, of a fresh flower blossoming up through the, the crack that, that something beautiful and new has happened. That's what Jesus Christ gives us. So mm-hmm. this is a message for all. This is not something that, that we stand over on one side of this and pointing fingers at all people because what we find in James chapter four is how quickly we can be reminded that we're acting just like the world. And this was a message to Christians, mind you. Where he tells us in James chapter 4, verse 4, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? This is a holy jealousy, mind you. But here he's calling out Christians for acting like they're part of the harlotry of Babylon. They're supposed to be the bride of Christ set apart from these things. So when we finally understand who we are in Jesus Christ, then we'll understand the joy of pure and undefiled intimacy with our bride. Uh, Men talking to you about your bride, brides to you, to your groom. And and that image that we get of Christ in his church that Paul spoke to the church in Ephesus about is something that's supposed to be undefiled, this pure and intimate relationship. And so we fill it with all sorts of lies and chase the world and believe the lies, and we think, oh, look how much fun they're having on television. Look at all that, the, the way they're doing that. And, and we believe this immorality is somehow its truth, and then we find ourselves getting caught up in this absolute wake of devastation, like a volcanic lava flow that's just eating in our lives, eating in our heart, destroying everything in its path, and wondering why our lives are in the chaotic state that they're in. And, and so it begins today. So this avoiding sexual temptation is not just the physical act of, it begins in the heart. And that's what we're really getting at here is you've got to get to the root of the matter that there would be a holy fruit that comes out of the transformation of a person's life as a washing and renewing of the mind occurs. And so in Proverbs chapter five to seven, we see that we're warned over and over again of the dangers of even giving a, a, a foot to this, a, just even a glimpse to such things. We're told in 1 Corinthians 6 18, flee, Fugo, run away from hey. this, don't entertain it. At all. Get away from such things. The moment you see, if you're given into illicit images in your mind just by a magazine cover at the checkout aisle at a grocery store, go to a different line. Get away from it. You know what? You probably will do people a good justice by turning it around. Yeah. Right? Because we have seen less and less magazines, by the way. But what we have seen is uh it's unfortunate what they do to women and women just give in to that over and over again and think that it's somehow elevating their stature as a model when all it's doing is turning them into an object of, of sexual immorality and this is again men and women alike, not to point fingers here, but rather you might do people a service by turning those things around covering that up. Uh, but we have to be mindful of our our eyes i've i've said it before dr ford even uh, when i've watched a football game with my son and i see cheerleaders acting inappropriately on the field i will turn my eyes i will look elsewhere i'll engage in, with him in conversation because I want him to see that I'm going to respect my wife even when she's not there. My eyes don't belong to me anymore. First and foremost, they belong to the Lord. Secondly, they belong to the, the, the my bride, who I honor and respect even when she's not there, because I know God is also seeing. Now my son's seeing, and I'm watching him do the same thing. Yeah. Like Yes, glory <laughs> be to God. He's honoring his wife when she's not there, yeah. and now she knows that he cares for her heart. It's authentic. It's real, and he's not just simply going, hey, when my wife's out of the room i'll do whatever i want that's not that that's a broken heart yeah and he has a real heart that it cares about what god
0: thinks yeah you make a great point you know and that and people have said that it's the second glance that ties your hands Mm. you know that first glance sometimes you can't do anything about you notice something but it's the second glance now you've you've really gone from temptation into sin And, uh, you know, I like that uh, what Martin Luther said, you can't stop birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a nest in your hair. (laughs) So it's the same sort of thing. You know, you can't really stop being tempted. That's going to be part of As long as we're in these bodies, that's going to be part of our life. But you can avoid the second glance, going to the Lord, giving it to him. Take this, you know, temptation away from me. And And isn't that the key, though? We've got to
1: want to flee from the temptation. That's right. If we buy God in the more. lie that somehow it's going to be self-gratifying in some way. and it's it, it, and let's not fool ourselves. There's a moment in the act of sin that can feel very enticing. Sure. But afterwards comes all the sorrows and the griefs and the shame and all the things we've talked about before. I mean, certainly those who are caught in the physical act of adultery seem to think that they're enjoying themselves, but then sorrows come. great sorrows upon sorrows. That's right. All the consequences of sin that follow. And and we've seen that modeled throughout even the broken, just – Grieving stories throughout Scripture where we see even what happened to David's own very home oh, yeah. and, and things that happened as a result of his immorality and, and his lust then for Bathsheba and what happened at his home afterwards. Praise be to God, though, for the more grace that he pours out upon us when we fall short every single day. Amen. But it's not a license for sin. We have got to want to put the bucket in our hand that we're holding onto this world so tightly to where we've got our five gallon bucket filled with all the worldly thinking, all the sin in our lives. We're, we're praising him with one hand and holding onto the sin with the other. And we look like Laodicea and he's not going to tolerate it. It's time that we walk obediently as Christians who said, I'm taking the narrow way. I'm going through the narrow gate. It's wrought with difficulty, but I pledged allegiance to Jesus Christ. I took a vow before him, and it's time that I walk in that. I'm a bride of Christ, yep. and I'm cheating on Jesus. And he says, Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you in James chapter 4. And the reason is because we're the cheaters. Not him. That's right. If there's distance between us and God, God didn't move; we did. <laughs> so, as cheaters, we've got to humble ourselves back before Him, and the cheating has begun in our hearts, in our eyes, with our what we viewed, what we heard. You don't even have to act on it. Yeah. And, and we see, of course, that from the Sermon on the Mount, which we've touched on a time or two. But Doctor Ford, let me read that real quick, sure. and then I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. But as we go back to Matthew. And we see this adultery in the heart is what Jesus has called out here. Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 to 30. This is going back to the heart of the matter. After all, he says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it far from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Right there we see the seriousness of sin. He doesn't want us to entertain this at all. Flee from it. This is the trap of That Satan has put out for you and you're running right into that snare you see it you know it's coming and you're going right for it because you have no self-control no discipline nor do you understand the seriousness of the vileness of our sin before the holiness of God.
0: Yeah I really you know that whole Sermon on the Mount Matthew 5 6 and 7 is really and and I think we did a good job covering it. It's really a freedom manifesto if this Mm. you know all slavery all sin is slavery. Uh, you know, and, 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 all freedom, the Lord said that, you know, if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. So He came to set us free from those things. It's like we talked about the idea of being yoked with the Lord. We can't be yoked with multiple things. Oxen only have one yoke. <laughs> you know, right. we're what we yoked with the Lord. Then, you know, His yoke is easy and His burden is light. And he wants to free us from all these things.
1: Yeah, that's right and he does he does tell us so we give some corrective uh, guidance on this particular text because it's often misused. But 1 Corinthians 10:13, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And again, we have to want to flee. It's not that there's a lack of being able to flee from these situations. Uh, We're not being cornered here to being forced into making an immoral choice. We are somewhat tempted by it. We're entertaining it, and therefore we're giving a room for the enemy to come into our lives to fire his fiery darts and arrows at us, and we're willingly taking off the armor of God to entice it, and then wondering why we're vulnerable to it, and our lives have have now succumbed to, to the travesty and devastation as a result, as if we're just going, well, I didn't know that that would happen as a result. Right. Come on, <laughs> of course we knew that there would be consequences. But That's the enticement right. was such that it was... It was so overwhelming, and we lacked a love of of God with all of our hearts that we just thought, well, I'll give a license to sin. Hey, God will forgive me tomorrow. It's okay. And then we keep doing this. We're breaking the heart of God. We're cheating on him. We become adulterers, which is also associated synonymous almost with idolatry. Right. I was going
0: to say the same thing. Yeah, you know,
1: it, it, And we're breaking the heart of God every time we do this. And we would never treat, uh, we shouldn't, I should say, treat an earthly spouse that way. Why do we treat God like that all the time? And we break his heart daily when we keep entertaining the world. We've got to stop that.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree.
1: Yeah, well, let's, uh, Dr. Ford, you you put together some great other verses, I think. These were verses that I grew up with when I was a child. My mother really wanted me to stick in Proverbs. And I think before the program, we were talking about this that this is not a male problem, even though the words of Proverbs seem to be directed to you men, <laughs> uh, as if women, you don't have any problems in this area at all, but, but one that comes to mind, and, and Dr. Ford, I wonder if you could read it, is from sure. Proverbs chapter 5, especially verses 1 to 6, powerful text there.
0: Yeah, Proverbs 5, 1 to 6, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding, that you may preserve discretion, and your lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey and her mouth is smoother than oil but in the end she is bitter as wormwood sharp as a two-edged sword her feet go down to death her steps lay hold of hell lest you ponder her path of, or excuse me lest you ponder her path of life her ways are unstable
1: mm. yeah powerful words uh, and again it makes it sound like it's one-sided here but what we have to do is we have to hold to a moral standard, a high standard that Jesus Christ has said. And we almost think, well, it's unattainable. Well, listen, this is part of the sanctification process. There are 1,236 commands given in the New Testament, many of them redundant, and we need that. Often we have to hear the same instruction at least more than twice. Uh, Unfortunately, we should only have to hear it once. But rather, we see the epistles consistently giving a very similar message that, in fact, James is just giving us more instruction on what Jesus taught at the Sermon on the Mount. So none of these are giving us something new, but these reiterated commands are for holy living and and we just have such an abuse in our mind of Jesus Christ, where we just think, you know what? I can walk like the world, act like the world, be enticed by the world, entertained by it, do everything like it, And yet somehow I'm set apart. Somehow I'm being called an ambassador for Christ, a representative of the King of kings and Lord of lords who breathed all life into existence, Acts says that in him we move and live and have our being, but we're going to treat him like this? It's got to stop.
0: Yeah, and then we ask ourselves, we walk you know, one foot in the world, one foot with the Lord, and we ask ourselves, why don't we closer to the Lord? Why don't we feel intimacy
1: <laughs> with him? Why don't we have the,
0: the fellowship and that sort of relationship with the Lord that we want with him?
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, And it's the foolishness of it all, right? And that's, especially with James, he does such a good job of calling out the foolishness. That we're, we're walking in both worlds and, and not being ashamed of it. It's time to declare, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Right. It's time to make that declaration and live like that. And then we think, oh, well, great, you're just trying to, you know, make me a, you know, a, <laughs> Some, some prude that never has any fun, and, and I'm going to live this boring life. Stop that. Once you know what it means to fully understand the joy of the Lord, you will have such a newfound peace and hope and love like you've never known love, uh, a joy like you've never had before. Uh, there there it becomes an entirely new paradigm that we take on when we understand that the joy of the Lord becomes our strength. The peace that only he can give to know that you stand uprightly and not your face down in the mud all the time because you're just so sick and ashamed of all the decision making that you've made. When you feel like you can arise in his presence because you have strived every waking moment to bring him glory, there is such a freedom that comes in that. You no longer feel so dirty like the prodigal son who comes back to the father and goes right back out to the world. I mean, if we were to continue that story of how it looks for most Christians today, we come begging and pleading to God, finally broken by the sin in our lives. We come up to the father, we give him lip service, but in this case, it's not an authentic repentance, but rather the illusion of repentance because all we want to do is just simply check off a box, feel okay, Check in every now and then, make that phone call to grandma and grandpa that we didn't make for for the last two years, and we're treating God the same way, and then we go right back to the world and wonder why we can't get out of this cyclical behavior that's destructive to ourselves, to every relationship around us, and why there's no fruit coming out of this walk that when we declare that we belong to Jesus Christ. So this is a much bigger issue when we talk about avoiding sexual temptation, It's bigger than that. It's not just the act physically. We're talking about a heart condition that says that Jesus Christ is not enough, that my total allegiance to him is not sufficient, that to rise in the morning to bring him good pleasure is not enough. And and Dr. Ford, I think you had pulled together some of the lyrics. I remember these lyrics well from the Casting Crowns song of the same name. Can you read this for us of the Slow Fade? Yeah, from Slow Fade, Casting Crowns.
0: Be careful, little eyes, what you see. It's the second glance that ties your hands as darkness pulls the strings. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white have turned to gray,
1: and thoughts invade and choices are made. That's right. You know, it's a a powerful story that we read of Joseph in Potiphar's house with his wife. I, I think that we see there is such a powerful response to a man who... After having been through what he had been through, being sold into slavery by his brothers, he makes this powerful decision, a choice, to flee from sexual immorality. And here he was wrongly imprisoned for it, and some believe it was a 12-year period of time. It seems like he was about 18 years of age then when he was sold into slavery. As he comes out of prison, or at least put into this significant position in all of Egypt, he's about 30 years of age. So it's possible for 12 years he was wrongfully imprisoned. How God, though, was Moving in that situation to prepare him for such a vital role. But I love the fact that he is such an example to us all that you may still suffer for doing the right thing, but God is glorified. Is that enough? Right. Even to turn away from the sexual immorality that's all around you. I remember talking with an executive at Fox uh, who was in their film division, and he was really convicted because. Every time they'd have a successful program and the video sales were high or whatever, his colleagues would want to go out to a strip club. And he kept saying "No," and they're like, "Oh, you're one of those guys." and he goes, "No, the problem is I know exactly who I am that's why I can't go right." <laughs> he was trying to remind them, "I know I'm a broken man, and the only reason why I stand up why the only reason why I even have strength today is because of Jesus Christ, my Lord, and I'm not going to break the heart of my lord, yeah and it's more honorable to take a stand for truth and righteousness, and so rare these days, and we have got to pray for boldness." courage to all of our young people, to us, that we would set the standard high, not found with hypocrisy, not preaching a message one day and living a total lie the next. Even as Christians, I find that they're even given into pornographic material because they're trying to spice up their marriage. How, what a shame that we're using the devil's tools to try to do the Lord's work. That's a, We'll have to come back to this, Dr. Yeah, Ford, because no, we've a got a lot of sad. brokenness even in Christian homes where we have bought into these lies. So number two, avoid sexual temptation. That's our takeaway today. We got through number two of our top 10 list. We've got to stop ignoring these instructions for God. Lives depend on it. So we want to thank you for listening to Engage in Truth. Thank you for being a regular supporter. We want to encourage you to check us out online at calvaryfountain.com. This is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. Services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays. We'd love to see you there. God bless you, my friends. Take care.